Morrison. Welcome to the Hey Listen Games Cast. My name is Jeffrey Morris. This is episode 43 of the Hey Listen Games Cast. And this is our platformer special, guys. As always, Nathan Wagner is here with me. How did it take us 43 episodes to get to platformer special when you're the host of the show? Okay, to be fair, <laughs> there was one episode of the show early on where I was the only one hosting, and I pretty much just talked about Donkey Kong games and music. <laughs> And me. I think we've done the history of Mario 3D games, so we, we've kind of talked about We've, we've, we've done the history of Mario and Donkey Kong. Yes. And of course, that other voice joining us here today is the one and only Rob Douglas. What up? So um, before, before we jump into our main segment today, which is going to be a lot of fun, um, we did have a few news stories. It was kind of a slow news week, so uh, not a lot out there. We'll probably go pretty quickly here. But um, we did want to mention, there was actually a little bit of talk on Twitter when we posted it up this weekend, uh, that the NES Classic, uh, Nintendo has announced, will be discontinued at the end of this month. And, I mean, most people when they hear this news is like, wait, like, did it, did it even arrive in stores? I never saw it on store shelves. <laughs> exactly. like, I mean, raise your hand if you've ever seen an NES Classic seen in the in flesh a store. at a store. I've only seen it because you bought it, and if not, I would have never... Can we just take a moment to appreciate the fact that Jeff just asked people to raise their hands on a podcast? <laughs> raise your digital right hand. No. Um, but yeah, I mean, this obviously is a shock to a lot of people. After the initial run sold out, Nintendo said they were going to, you know, be sending a new run and manufacturing a whole bunch more. So everyone who wanted one was be able to get one. And then here we are a few months later, and they're saying that they're not going to make them anymore in what, what, it came out in November, I want to say? Yeah, it was November. Really Basically, late. I think like, Nintendo, originally, they were like, oh, crap, the Switch isn't coming out as soon as we thought it would. We have to have something for this fall because we're not putting out any, uh, you know, big Wii U games or anything like that. So, like, oh, let's make this um, NES Classic, and that'll be, like, a big product that we can ship this holiday and sell a lot of. And they underestimated it, and then... I guess because of the because they're just thinking of making it for Christmas that they were like, well, we'll just make enough to save for Christmas and then not make any more, which seems very strange. After... Why would people want a yeah uh, exactly a new new Nintendo classic that has all the games downloaded for sixty dollars? I mean, they, for some reason they didn't think people would buy it. <laughs> yeah, I guess not. One of the things I thought was really interesting more than they were originally planning on. So yeah. One of the things I thought was really interesting is when they announced that they were clo- they were going to discontinue it, one of the things that Nintendo said was that they're listening to the fan feedback and they really appreciate all the support for this, but <laughs> we're still going to discontinue it. Like, what fans are you listening to? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's just odd. I mean, there's obviously, if if they, let's say they manufactured 4 million of those units in the next month, like... I feel like it would be in almost the same situation. Like they would pop up in stores and instantly, you know, get sold out. Like I still feel like they wouldn't really be able to keep up with the demand. And I guess they're just giving up or maybe they were just making it out of spare parts they had left over from the Wii and Wii U era. And they just reprogrammed them uh, to go in there. Like I know the controller cords were made from the, you know, the original uh, nunchucks and classic controllers. So I I honestly don't know. I'm sure there's some reason that we're never going to know or understand, but I mean, I, I'm I'm glad I got one, but I'm sure there's you know still millions of people out there who really wanted one yeah. who aren't going to get one, or they'll I have mean, to yeah pay scalper prices, which are probably going to be even higher now that people know it's dis- being discontinued. I saw this tweet. Uh, somebody I follow in the UK tweeted out that in the UK, since there's no like set prices or whatever, uh, some stores were selling it for like triple the cost of what it would really? normally be. Wow! <laughs> now, oh my goodness! It's being discontinued, so it's pretty bad. I mean, I guess other people can profit off of Nintendo's weird decision here. I mean, <laughs> other people will make money off it. But anyways, let us know. Um, we did post that on Twitter. There was, some of you guys already sounded off on there. Um, but are, were you waiting for the NES Classic to, to show up in stores and have it be readily available? Um, or did you, you know, not really care uh, finding one? As always, you can find us on Twitter at HeyListen underscore games. Wait, before we move on, really quick question. Do you guys think this is because they don't want it competing with the virtual console or having mixed messaging with virtual console on Switch? Like, do you think that's an issue? Some people, I know that was like my initial reaction was like, maybe they. <laughs> well, that, that is what Jaeger thought they were uh, stealing it from, from the, the Switch's virtual console prop 
profits when it's not even announced yet. He he posted something on Twitter saying, yeah. like, oh, don't worry, they'll resell you them all at five bucks a piece when the Switch Virtual Console comes out, or, or maybe I even think... repurposing them all into a, oh the NES Classic bundle for you know yeah. fifty bucks you get all thirty of those games or something, maybe. which would be great if if they do that, but I I don't see that happening. I just I feel like the Switch and the NES <clears throat> Classic. While some of them are the same market like you, Jeff, there's a lot of people I think who, at least initially, wouldn't want to buy a Switch, but would totally spend sixty bucks on an NES Classic and yep. be like, yeah, like your dad, for example. Yeah, my dad would have never gotten one if it wouldn't have been for me. Like I texted my mom to go check the store opening day, and she got the last one. But like if I wouldn't have texted her and she wouldn't have gone and done that, my dad would not have one right now, and he he's loved it. Like he's he's been a huge fan of and plays it all the time. Like he bought a little travel case and brings it like on vacations. With <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people like him who, uh, either didn't know it existed or just weren't crazy and didn't sleep, like stay up at night checking all the websites for pre-order links and stuff. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Well, like for, you know, people like me, they didn't send those out to smaller towns. And so, if I wanted one, I had to drive, you know, two to three hours to get one and then stand in line with, you know, the other 300 people that want one and then have this whole problem of, well, you're the last one. So I drove, you know, six hours round trip for nothing. So I didn't even, you know, I was like, this looks so cool. I really want one. But now that they're basically gone, we're going to get one. Yeah, that, that's a really good point, Rob. I hadn't thought of that, if, especially if you live in a smaller area where there's not as many opportunities or stores or whatever it is. It makes it a lot harder. Yeah, I so. mean, I, I live in the Seattle area, and <laughs> I wasn't able to find any at any stores, and we actually got ours online through GameStop. But, like, can't imagine trying to – it would be even harder, you know, in a smaller rural area. Yeah. But, I mean, sadly, this just means that more people – can't support Nintendo and people are just mm-hmm. going to go build their own Raspberry Pis and play ROMs instead, which <laughs> hopefully man. Nintendo has some kind of good reason for it, whether it's needing more manufacturing parts for switch. Cause they announced that they're yeah. doubling their production on yeah, that. That's true. Whatever. Virtual console or, you know, hopefully they have a good reason. We may never know. But... Hopefully we'll actually, you know, get an announcement of virtual console and switch soon, but moving on, um, we did want to mention something about the switch and that is, um, Microsoft did announce that Minecraft on the Switch runs at 60 frames per second, which is um, an improvement over the Wii U version. And that not at launch, but um, a little bit later down the road, you will be able to transfer over any saves that you had from the Wii U version of the game, which is uh, cool. It's kind of sharing the server there. And then it will also be uh, 13 times bigger of a world than the Wii U version. I, I did a little research, and basically, I don't, I don't have the exact numbers, but basically, the Wii U, PS3, 360, and Vita versions all like a really small version of the game. Like the worlds it couldn't be as big. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then the PS4, Xbox One version, and PC were like, you know, fifty or thirty times as big as that. And so the Wii U version is kind of that middle ground. It's thirteen times bigger than the Wii U version, but it's not quite as powerful and as okay. big as the PS4. So it's not quite the PS4 level, but it's yeah. a lot bigger. So. Just That's good. I yeah. thought that, that I was some interesting information for a yeah. for a port for a somewhat big game that it seems even a game like Minecraft, which I mean, I don't feel like it's the most technical game of all, <laughs> but it's even games like that aren't quite as powerful on Switch as they are on other systems. Yeah, and I guess that I mean that's probably to be expected a little bit just with the fact that it is handheld and it's not as powerful as PS4 and Xbox One, but it's good that it's a fair amount bigger than the Wii U version, and I don't know. I don't play a ton of Minecraft, but I remember well, playing it on the. That you were, did, were thinking about getting it for Switch, like yeah, for the first time. The only time I've um, I've really played it is I played it on my friend's 360 and had a lot of it, and that world seemed pretty big. So I think the Switch version sounds like it. Unless you're like a super hardcore Minecraft fan, it'll be plenty big enough, and yeah, and I think won't be a problem. They, they did mention that. PS4. Eventually, they would do updates, get up to par and up to speed with other versions. But as of now, that's that's where the game is going to launch at. Is so. it going to be $30 on Switch? Have they announced a price point? Do you know? Um, I'm not sure. I'm, I know it's a. I feel like they PS4, did. And I think it was $30 on the Wii U because of Mario. Oh, like the Mario Because um, of the Mario packs. kind of D- mashup DLC packs. Or at least that's what I was assuming, why it was 10 bucks more. But... Yeah, I'd definitely be interested, just depending on the price. Like, if it's 20 bucks, I would much more likely to be like, yeah, sure, I'll spring in 
um, jump and get that game versus thirty it bucks. Is, even it is thirty dollars. It's thirty bucks. Okay. Yeah. And the other versions are are twenty. Yeah. So. But I mean, you are getting a portable console version of Minecraft, which is pretty nice. Like it's not a pocket edition like an iPhone. It's yeah. a full full version, which is yeah. cool. See. But yeah. So uh, if if you're you're in a Minecraft, let us know. Or would you uh, be interested in picking that up? For the Switch, um, I mean, I, I don't play Minecraft really either, but it seems like it would be the perfect fit for uh, for a game like that where you can kind of play it, play it anywhere. And go, the, yeah. All the Mario DLC and stuff is is going to be in there as well. So, um, anyways, our, our last main news news story this week um, has to do with Star Wars Battlefront Two. It kind of kind of got a, a, a more full uh, reveal this week after the leaked trailer from last week. And uh, the most interesting thing that I thought um, about uh, everything that EA is saying so far is that they, DICE apparently is not wanting to do a season pass. Um, they're saying as of now they're not going to do a season pass and they're looking at other ways to give new content to the community without fragmenting it because, you know, people only, let's say, a half the people who bought the game actually got the season pass, so you would have the user base playing one set of games, another half playing, you know, new maps. So, and, and this is a problem, you know, a lot of games run into. And it did say that this was a decision from Dice, and EA was clarifying, saying, "Oh, yeah, we're not saying there's no DLC ever, but you know, we're looking at how to deliver content maybe a little different." So, you know, we put up on Twitter, "Is this? Do you think this might be the next live platform game, kind of like Overwatch, that's yeah. just constantly being updated?" Um, what do you guys think? I hope so. I mean, Battlefront is such a popular franchise from people's childhood and if i mean ea is kind of the money sucker of the video game universe but <laughs> if they can if they can kind of take some lessons from some of the video games that have come out like overwatch and some of the ones like that that would be awesome i think that would be a huge thing for the fans they would yeah. just love that i think i mean it would definitely make it like i know uh, Jeff, I remember you saying you played Battlefront maybe like a year ago, like about a year after it came out, mm-hmm. and you played and you were like, this sucks, I'm playing on a normal map, but I'm playing against people who have bought this DLC who have these heroes that I haven't yeah. don't, and I don't know how, how to fight against them because I haven't played as them, so I don't know their balances and stuff exactly, like that. Like, exactly, exactly. It, it made it really unbalanced and made it seem almost unfair because they're playing as characters that I'm not allowed to play as because I haven't paid, you know, 40 bucks or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So hopefully they can figure out whether it's like skins like Overwatch or something like that or Destiny or whatever they do, figure out a way. Or even to make if it. they go ahead, Rob. Even if they add characters, like characters that go out to everyone, or like levels or content and stuff that goes out to everyone, you yeah, know, think, instead of just this kind of more like giving free characters and maps, kind of like Overwatch, but finding a, a way for them to still make a revenue yeah. off of adding. The, oh adding yeah, the yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Cosmetic DLC or loot boxes or you know, taunts or something weird like that. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily affect the gameplay. Yeah, it's funny, though, because I saw a list, I don't know if you guys saw this, but kind of bullet points of all the different kind of new things in Battlefront 2. And it was like yeah. all the things, it was basically, they were like, all the things that everyone was complaining about Battlefront yeah. 1 were trying to address, like, it's a class-based mode now, and, like, vehicle pickups are no longer just, like, random pickups throughout mm-hmm. the map, throughout the map and stuff like that. There's space and, combat, there's yeah, actually a story, battles, there's single-player campaign. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, which is good, and it's just funny, as I'm reading through it, I'm like, I feel like I'm just reading through the description of, like, the original Battlefront, or Battlefront 2, like, for, for PS2 yeah. and Xbox. Like, it seems like they're going back, and they're maybe kind of focusing on a little bit more gameplay-wise what the original kind of Battlefront games did, which uh, I think is great. You know, I lo- love the class, and you choose your different classes, and that's you know, visible by which character you pick and um, still having, you know, a more modern upgrade system and stuff I think would be cool. And just, I, I think it's great that they're going to focus on, you know, every Star Wars movie pretty much ever made from the episode yeah. one all the way up to the new Last Jedi coming out. And so I think it'll be cool to have access to all the different locations and um, do the different now, I love. I love that the story mode for the game actually takes place between episode six and seven in that 30 year period where we don't have any Star Wars lore, really. Yeah. And so to be able to have a game kind of explore that, especially a game that's official canon, yeah. you know, none of that legend stuff. 
Yeah, and it, and it gives them a ton of material to work with. Like, oh yeah, there's nothing there or anything like that. And I mean, so... it's just the the premise sounds super interesting yeah. too. You're playing as like yeah. this. I think it's like a imperial captain or something who basically is on Endor during the Battle of Endor, and like you look up in the sky and see the Death Star, you know, that explodes from you know uh, Lando and stuff, and then basically it's like what immediately happens after the Death Star just blew up. And I think it's going to throw you straight into the battle from there and then have a campaign of, you know, the Empire. 30 years kind of spanning, def- yeah. Empire's kind of defeated, but what do you do as a remaining, you mm-hmm. know, soldier yeah, in the Empire? So. The rise of the First Order and whatever. Yeah. yeah, sounds, yeah. And it's really they could cool do a lot of stuff with it. They're bringing in, EA talked about how they're bringing in some of their other studios, uh, Motive, and I forget what the other one is. But a couple different studios that help write the studio who are a little bit, better at you know dice is really good at doing multiplayer and do doing big but they're not known for their storytelling so they're bringing yeah. in other writers and uh people to help write this story and make a good story i know yeah. uh, i saw a couple of the writers who are doing it are the people who worked on uh what was the spec ops the line game from clearzo that people really liked it was like a first person was it a battlefield game no, it wasn't a battlefield game it was just called spec ops line it wasn't okay. tied to a franchise but it was a first person shooter with like a really kind of emotional campaign i think it came out oh like that that story screwed with me that was such a <laughs> that was a, in a good way or a bad was, way it was so like it's one of those games where as you play through you're like oh i'm just playing a shooter this is awesome and then by about halfway through the game you're like something's wrong with the shooter and then by the end of the game you go i'm the worst person in the world <laughs> I should just, you know, it's just like one of those games where so you just you feel, feel something. It makes you feel despicable. That's what it does. Well, it was awesome, but it was terrible all at the I, same I'm time. Sh- I'm sure they're not trying to make you feel despicable, you know. Star Wars is a much broader license, obviously, than that. So they're not going to, hopefully not going to make you feel like the worst person in the world. I mean, uh, any Star Wars game where I've, I've played as bad guys, whether it's, the Emperor in Star Wars Battlefront, Darth Maul in Battlefront 2, or Jango Fett in Star Wars Bounty Hunter. I've always felt awesome, and I've loved it. So I'm excited <laughs> to play as the bad side. I think that's more interesting than playing as, oh, let, you're Luke Skywalker. What does he do after the moon? Like, I, I'm glad they're kind of yeah. branching out in something, something different and interesting. So. Yeah, I totally agree. We'll have to, yeah. have to keep our eyes on that story. Hopefully it's received well. But uh, So are you going to buy that launch now, Jeff? I'm not going to buy it at launch. <laughs> and I, I still don't really believe that there's not a season pass. I'm going to wait and see. Like, I feel like a month before it comes out, they're still going to sell some type of DLC pack or something. They're just not going to call it maybe a season pass. Like, I think they're still going to do DLC packs or something. They announced for the deluxe edition, I think they basically just announced different skins. Like, I heard some people kind of talking about, they're like, oh, I was going to get the deluxe edition, but like it's not really any better than the regular edition. So yeah, I think it has different costumes for some of the heroes and stuff like that, which I mean, fingers crossed. That would be great if all they do is, you know, DLC that's cosmetic, but I I don't, I don't see that happening with EA, but we'll see. We'll see. (laughs) Alrighty. Well, our second segment of the show is our main segment. We are going to be talking about our favorite platformers. Um, between, you know, ukulele coming out and um, having a, a pretty good first week of sales. We were just kind of talking about that and some other platformers, and we thought it'd be interesting to, you know, just kind of discuss what do we think makes a good platformer. I'm really interested to see what you guys think, because I feel like I've played a lot of platformers. You guys have dabbled in some different platformer uh, franchises as well. Um, but, like, when I am talking about, you know, a good platformer, like, or let's say a, a new platformer gets announced like ukulele, right? What would that platformer need to have to get you guys like excited or on board or want to want to play the game? Like what, what, what would make it stand out to you guys? I think for me, the biggest thing is just the world and basically kind of what it looks like, like the aesthetic that it's going for. Is it kind of fun? And I tend to go for like more bright, colorful games that look like they have a lot of different interesting um, locations and cool things, um, different characters to meet and kind of cool things to like to collect and so stuff wait, like that. Different characters to meet and like kind of collectathons. Um, kind of, but honestly just the world in general, like give me a reason to want to explore and mess around in that world and stuff like that. And by to do that, usually the best way to do that is to give some kind of collectible, but yeah. make the world just really interesting and a lot of fun to kind of play in um, instead of kind of, yeah, being something so you're about that more I've just seen a lot. Exploring the worlds and seeing kind of the game design and like the art and stuff like yes, that. Yes, exactly. Like the art direction is super. Yeah, cool. 
I I totally agree. I think like for platformers, often when I go into a platformer, what I'm looking for is the gameplay and the world. You know, kind of something that draws you in and gets you going into that world, and you kind of you get sucked in. Like I can think of a couple of platformers that really sucked me in. You know, like Banjo Kazooie, Banjo Tooie. They had like all these collectibles, and they had all this fun moves you could do, and all this world to explore. Lots of different themed worlds, same with Mario 64, but also I think of games like Limbo, which is, you know, kind of a, you know, it's a short platformer and it's all this difficult, it's really difficult, but I remember just, colors, black and white. <laughs> it's just all black and white and gray and I remember playing it like almost completely in one sitting because it was just so interesting, the gameplay and just trying to figure out all the puzzles and the challenges and stuff and it was dark and creepy, but like the world, the aesthetic, kind of the the gameplay, I think those are all good elements of a platformer, and those draw me in as well. Yeah. So, it's, the, Limbo's a really interesting example, because um, like, I just talked about the world. When I initially played that, um, I think I got it as a free PS Plus game, the world completely kind of turned me off. I was like, this is ugly, <laughs> this is scary, like, there's that spider thing or whatever that snaps. <laughs> like, <in> the <laughs> You're like, the I'm this little creepy. child, this is horrible. Like, I played it, and I was like, no, this is not the game for me. And I was, like, bored one day, and I went back and started playing it, and I was like, oh, there's a lot of kind of cool, like, puzzle platformer elements that um, aren't too hard to figure out, but are really rewarded. Like, you feel really good when you figure it out and are able to do what the game is asking of you. And so I went back through, and then I was, like, playing it, and I was like, oh, my gosh, it's been, like, three hours, and I think I finished the game either that day (laughs) or the day after. Wow. um, And had a lot of fun with it. But initially, the world and how it looked really turned me off the game, and I only gave it a chance because I was like bored and didn't have anything else Man, to do. I think it inspired me because I had the same reaction. I first started it, and I didn't what well, didn't really like it. The art style didn't really grab me. I thought it was interesting, but I kind of kind of turned it off. So maybe maybe I need to go back and give Limbo another shot. So. Yeah, yeah. It's just one of those platformers that has a very unique concept that once you get into it, it's really interesting and intriguing. It kind of makes me want to play. The same studio made a second game called Inside which is also yeah, sort of along the same thing. lines. Sounds like it's a little bit more on the puzzle side of things than platformer, but it looked really interesting. So based off of my experience with Limbo, that gets me excited for that game. So eventually I'll pick that one up. Yeah. Um, and I, I think, too, when you when I think about uh, a good platformer, I really think about like almost like mechanically, like does it, does it feel good? Because I've played some platformers that have really good art design. Like I think it was, I don't remember the name, it's like, the Ghana sisters or something. It was an indie game. Oh, Gianna. Sisters. Yeah. Yeah. That one. Yeah. Um, I really liked the art design and the collectibles were fun. I thought it looked nice, but just mechanically for me, it just didn't, didn't really feel good. Like it didn't feel mm. as very precise as, you know, like a Mario or a Donkey Kong or something like that. And, you know, not every game needs to feel that precise, but I don't know. It just, it didn't quite feel as good to play and that the levels were, were pretty, pretty linear and there wasn't necessarily a lot of, challenge and you were just kind of going through and grabbing things so i feel like you have to find that right balance of like collectibles and having things defined that aren't necessarily too you know far or not you have to find them you have to look for them you have to grab them and they're challenging yeah um like you know mario 3d land i i didn't enjoy as much i mean it was good for what it was but all the collectibles, like the big star coins you try to get in every level, they were in plain sight. You just had to go grab them, and they weren't really hidden. They, they weren't really that hard to get. Mm-hmm. While in a game like you know Donkey Kong Country or something, where the the secrets are so well hidden, where you have to really kind of dig around and take your time and explore the world and f- find the levels. But at the same time, usually my first playthrough through the Donkey Kong games, I just kind of go straight through it. I beat the game, and then I kind of go back in it. I get you know, more gameplay out of it by finding all those secrets and stuff like that. So I, I love I love a platform with lots of secrets. That's funny because I know I really liked Mario 3D Land because it was pretty easy. <laughs> <laughs> so I was able to get all of the, good those game. coins and stuff like that. Um, and then I also really liked that once you beat the game, it kind of like had that second yeah, second that was game. cool. Because I beat the game, and I was like, wow, that was really easy. Like I felt like I was a little bit cheating, and then it had that second game that... Um, made it switch everything up, made it a little bit harder, and um, give you reason to play through it again. I mean, for me, it was just like I, I hundred percent it. Like I beat the second quest too. Yeah, I did everything, and it was in about eight hours. Oh, okay, and I'm like, man, I mean, it was fun and everything, but at the same time, I'm kind of wishing for more, which is why I was glad Mario 3D World, which a lot of people didn't like for some reason. I thought 3D World was an amazing game, and that game took me. You know, I I didn't hundred percent it till what was it November of last year? Like it was. 
people only didn't like it because they were expecting something different. That's, yeah, that's they the wanted Mario reason. Odyssey. Yeah, they wanted Mario the Odyssey or <laughs> Mario Galaxy 3. Yeah. And they were upset when they got but something that visually looks at But 3 World had a really, really difficult end game to get all the collectibles and then mm-hmm. you unlocked a ton of extra bonus levels that yeah. were really, really challenging. That final level, I remember you watched me play for a while. It was, <laughs> it was insane. It was insane, you know. So I, I love, I really love a good challenge. Um, do you guys prefer more 2D platformers or do you like more of the 3D platformers? I find myself playing more of the 3D platformers, but I don't necessarily have a preference one way or the other. I think the part, the reason I like the 3D is because you have more of that, the three-dimensional space for jumping and that sort of thing versus there's a little bit of an added challenge of trying to land on a platform that's suspended in space and you're trying to angle the camera just right, which is almost a game in of itself. Yeah. And, you know, and jump across this chasm and land on this moving platform or something. And I think that's a fun challenge. But, like, the 2D where it's just a side-scrolling, there's all sorts of different challenges added in there because there's more... You're going to find probably more enemies scattered throughout the little platforms and everything, and it adds that extra level. So I don't think there's necessarily... I don't think I could say I like I prefer one or the other. I'm drawn more to 3D, but I don't necessarily prefer 3D. I'll play I'll play a 2D and have a great time with it. And yeah, it's it's it, funny. It's funny. Yeah, I'm almost kind of the same way. Like growing up, I was all about the 2D platformer. Like all I played was Super Mario World, Super Mario Bros. Three, and Donkey Kong Country. Like those are my three games. Like I only played growing <laughs> up. And then you know, once I ended up getting Mario 64, like. I pretty much dropped all those old games and all I played was Mario 64 and just, you know, got every single star in the game over and over and over again. And then, you know, playing some of the other, you know, 3D platformers of the, you know, the next couple of years, like Banjo-Kazooie and, you know, there was even some good ones on the, on the GameCube. And, uh, and then after that, I was kind of starved for 2D platformers again. So I went back and uh, I would, I'd play my Super Nintendo when I was, you know, in middle school and high school again. And then they kind of had that, 3d or the 2d game renaissance come back with new super mario bros it was the first time mario was back in 2d and i played the original ds1 and the wii version like countless hours like i probably played over 100 on the ds1 wow. mm-hmm. uh, and had you know some fun you know multiplayer stuff and everything too and so that was that was really really fun for me and then obviously with when galaxy came out and then you know mario 3d world you know we've been kind of more in the 3d mario or 3D games again. But then with the Wii U, um, other than 3D World, it was really a 2D platforming console. It had, you know, the really good Rayman Origins, which, speak about art styles, they came as one of the best, like... Game is beautiful. Yeah, one of the best art styles of any game. They do some really fun stuff with some music levels, and it looks all hand-drawn. Um, so that game's just really fun to play. And then um, Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze, you know, it's one of my favorite games of this, you know, this last generation. And, you know, even Yoshi Whirly World, and they made, you know, a... A sequel to the Kirby Campus Curse, which wasn't great, but you know they've Nintendo yeah, seems to be pumping out 2D their 2D platformers, <laughs> which I loved. I know a lot of people didn't, you know, yeah. particularly enjoy yeah. as much. But so now I'm more of a 2D guy, and even Mario Maker, it was really really challenging, and I loved, you know, being able to play basically new versions of my old favorite Mario games. Yeah. And so, yeah. um, well, and even just beyond the uh, the Nintendo properties, there's things like Shovel Knight and. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, some of those games have been kind of coming out like that. Like, yeah, and, and a lot of indies. And, and Shovel Knight, like you know, a lot, lot of the Wii U. I got that that first week, and I'm just like, <laughs> I'm never letting go of my Wii U. It has so many good platformers. <laughs> yeah. They're just, I, I think with the, the recent 2D platformer kind of revolution, there's a lot of good 2D platformers that really draw people in. And you get a lot of variety because, I mean, you have anything from that Mario Maker, which can have levels that are almost entirely impossible to beat. Yes. <laughs> to things like, you know, some of the, the uh, like, Shovel Knight or something like that, or, like, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, there was a game I was looking at, Evo Land, where it, like, evolves as you go along and, like, stuff like that. Like, there's all these great indie 2D platformers, but I think what we're seeing right now is uh, yoko is trying to push the 3D platforms. We had Mario Odyssey coming out later this year, so Snake Pass came out coming last out month. In, it's supposed to come out on oh, yeah. Steam this year. Um, I don't know about other platforms, but that game is very similar. Yeah, to I mean, Kickstarter has Galilee. shown us that people are kind of thirsty for 3D platformers yes. again, and kind of that old school yeah. Banjo Kazooie type. 
type platform, well, then, which I think is awesome. Yeah, so I, I think we might start to see probably uh, I don't think Yokulele is going to push it. Uh, I think Mario Odyssey will push it. I think Mario Odyssey will mm-hmm. push us back into the 3D platforming world for a few years. Maybe we'll see. I mean, Nintendo has kind of carried Mario has kind of carried that mantle for the last, you know, 15, 20 years, <laughs> even when no one else is making it. Oh, yeah. But uh, the 3D versus 2D question to me is really interesting because I prefer 3D a lot over 2D. And I was thinking about it, I was like, well, maybe just because I grew up playing a lot more N64 than I did NES and SNES, you know. I didn't mm-hmm. start playing video games until I was in elementary school versus being younger, kind of like you, <laughs> Jeff. Noob. And so <laughs> I grew up with that, but I was also thinking about it. And the thing I really like about 3D is that it gives you kind of like 2D is very linear. Like if you get, if you die, like you have to get past that part basically. Um, or you can go back and play an old level that you've played versus 3D, especially with the N64 where there was multiple worlds that you could explore and be like, Oh, I'm going to get this star now in Mario 64. Oh, I'm having trouble. I'm going to go to this other world and get this other There's still 119 star. other stars to get. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, there's that's a lot true. more variety. Um, you get a little more choice. Where if you do get yeah. stuck, you can be like, oh, I'm going to go off and do this other thing. Um, instead yeah, of 3D does provide a little stuff. bit more of the, a little bit more of that open world kind of go wherever you want to. There's still locked doors and stuff like that, yeah. but it is it is a little bit more freeing in the sense that you don't have to get past that one Goomba that just keeps killing you every single yeah, freaking exactly. time. And it's <laughs> sorry to bring this up, but it was really interesting because I was talking to my wife yesterday. And I was like, so why are you liking Breath of the Wild so much more than any other Zelda game? And she was like, well, I really like it because if I get to a shrine or a dungeon that I get stuck on, I can just go off and do something else and I don't have to <laughs> yeah. continue progressing. You're not stuck like in the, the water other... temple for Yeah, two exactly, years. <laughs> like the other Zelda games, basically. Yeah. And I think that same concept applies to 2D versus 3D platformers. Yeah. Um, what do you guys think about, like, speed in the platform? I mean, platforms <laughs> can be anywhere from slower-paced to more fast-paced, you know, the like the... I think of Nintendo, you know, Mario games are typically a little more fast paced, you know, especially the 2D Mario, you have a timer, you got to get to the flag before the time runs out. And yeah. then you have more like Donkey Kong and Yoshi, where there's lots of different little secrets and collectibles to find. There's no time limit. It's a little more slow paced. Even the music is a little more relaxed. Um, and then, you know, we even have games like Sonic the Hedgehog, which are extremely fast. And that was, you know, what's selling point. It's a very fast platformer. And then now we have a very popular 3D platformer, Snake Pass, that's one of the slowest platformers I've ever played, but it's a ton of fun. Um, so what do you guys think? Do you think, you know, faster platformers are more fun, or do you kind of prefer to kind of take your time, not have a time limit, just kind of slowly explore everything? <laughs> I think I know what Nathan and I, I think we'll <laughs> both agree on this one. I like slower simply because I like to take my time and think about the challenge that I'm facing rather than panic driven running off of a cliff into that enemy or as nathan is very if you've ever if you ever go on our is that on your video youtube channel I think it's on my old youtube page yeah it's on your old youtube channel maybe about. we'll maybe we'll maybe we'll uh throw that up there on uh on twitter <laughs> on hey listen or something like that but there's this video of nathan trying to get past a fish in super mario Big bros <laughs> and screaming and dying repeatedly over and over again. <laughs> so I think, I think, I mean, I know I've, you'll have to say for yourself, Nathan, but I think I prefer the slower games because it gives me a little bit more chance to think about what I'm doing. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you, Rob. I, I prefer the slower <laughs> as well because, you know, if I do mess up, I feel like I have a little bit more chance to, to go back and be okay. And I'm not a good enough game where I can kind of get like people who are really good at, platforming like for example you jeff you kind of get in this like mode where you're like you're going super fast and you're hitting your you pr- your jumps are precisely timed and stuff like that mm-hmm. um like, like beating a mario, level, mario challenges and stuff like button. that they had were yeah exactly stuff like yeah. that uh when i try and do that i always mistime it and either miss a jump or hit an enemy at the wrong time <laughs> or something like that so i always mess up and i always die so i like being able to take my time but i know yeah especially with mario there's kind of a kind of speed it's almost a twitch reflex yeah exactly that you get into when you're playing Mm -hmm. levels well especially with the 2d mario 3d it's obviously a little more slow paced you know think about on battlefield you can kind of you know run around the world and take it at your own pace but um yeah yeah um so i thought we could um to kind of wrap up this segment is kind of talk about what i think are three 
uh, main qualities that every good platformer has. And uh, the first one is a tutorial. Um, you know, every platformer, whether it, you know, spells it all out and holds your hand or just kind of lets you go at it, kind of, you know, has either a level or some type of mechanic to kind of teach you how to play the game. You know, I think, you know, Banjo, Kazooie, it kind of slowly taught you moves one at a time in each world. While in Mario 64, you know, you kind of had everything unlocked straight from the get-go. And, you know, that's an example that I think of of having a really good platforming tutorial. You know, the game starts, it drops in, you jump out of the tube, and you have this giant courtyard in Peach's castle to just run around. And that's what I did the first time I played the game. I didn't even go in the castle. I just ran around the courtyard, jumped into the, you know, the moats and climbed trees and flipped off of them, did triple jumps and just tried learning all the different moves that they showed in the manual with all the different artwork. And so, so, yeah. So like right away you understand the physics and how to play a game like Mario 64 by just, you know, being in the courtyard there. And then, you know, obviously the levels progress and get more and more challenging and, you know, have you do different stuff. But, um, you know, you play that first level where you go get the big bomb bomb on bomb on battlefield and it teaches you, Oh, you can pick things up and you can throw them and you can butt you, stomp. yeah. And, and you can butt stomp and it gives you those different, um, it basically lets you practice those skills and then puts them to the test with the different bosses. And obviously they grow in difficulty. So, um, what do you guys think? What kind of platformer comes to mind when you think of having a really good way of teaching you how to play the game? I really like the Banjo-Kazooie, Banjo-Tooie series simply because as you progress through the story, you unlocked moves that were related to the world that you were in. And you didn't necessarily, there wasn't as, there wasn't a whole lot of backtracking as far as moves are concerned. Kind of like the idea that once I, once I had finished an area, I didn't necessarily have to go back to it. But, you know, like I like Super Mario 64 is like that. Also, you could go through and just do all the stars from every single world as you went. I like that that kind of give me the moves as I go or give them all at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, even like with the original Mario Bros, you know, you start up and you see that Goomba right away, <laughs> and the game will teach you if you don't figure it out You'll that die. if you touch him, <laughs> you exactly. die. You die. Yeah. And so you learn your first skill, the jump button, and getting that. And then, you know, the second block in the game right there at the beginning that you see on the screen is the mushroom. You, okay, you learn when I get that, I turn bigger, I can absorb a hit. Then you get the fire flower halfway through the level and it teaches you, you know, you can, you know, shoot down enemies. And then you, you can even find a star in the level or in the one up. And so it teaches yeah. you all these different power ups. And it's slowly, you know, the first, I think in that first level, there's a little <laughs> part where you have to jump over these little staircase. And if you fall down the gap, you're fine. There's land there. But then there's another one after that that has a pit. And if you fall down, you die. So, yeah, the first one to kind of practice. And then the second one, you know, it tests you a little bit more. So. Yeah. I mean, that game is, like, one of the best. The reason it was so good is because it had such amazing game design philosophy. And mm-hmm. people literally, like, anyone yeah. can pick it up and play it, basically, and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, it's been a little frustrating. Without having any text tell them what to do or anything. It's been a little frustrating playing Yooka-Laylee because in Yooka-Laylee, you have to collect the quills and then buy every single move that you want to use. So like I spent the first, you know, I played it this week and I spent basically the entire time running around getting quills so I can unlock the moves that I can use. And so that was a little frustrating. You know, you can't do anything until you collect all this stuff and then buy it. I was like, that's kind of unfortunate that I have to do all this. I have to do all this extra like busy work so I can, Mm -hmm. Like, if I wanted to do that, I'd go play Assassin's Creed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which, which you've never played Assassin's Creed before. Yeah, never. Oh, no, never. I, I hate that series. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the other way to progress is basically to kind of lock your game behind certain moves and stuff like that. That's another yeah. way, system of progression. And there's some games that have used it really well where you're like, oh, you can't get this, get to that part in the level that you can see until you go and get, you know, the ability to jump and hover or whatever it is yeah like uh donkey kong 64 had a really good system of unlocking new moves and even the banjo series had a pretty good system of kind of unlocking the moves as you went as you unlock new worlds but like the idea that not only do you is are those moves you have to unlock but i have to buy them that's just kind of like yeah when, well, when they're trying to give you incentive to collect things is that 
Is that why you think you have to do that? Yeah, but you know, like I'm going to collect all that stuff anyway, so <laughs> it's not like it, I need the extra incentive. <laughs> I even think of like you know the Sly Cooper games. Like most yeah. of the moves and abilities you learned in that game weren't necessarily essential. Like it didn't necessarily like you had to have a certain ability to beat a mission or beat a level or something. It's but true. you got coins kind of organically through the game. Like they'd be hidden throughout the map, but anytime you beat enemies, you would just get lots of different coins and there was you know an infinite amount you technically could collect and you could buy pretty much any upgrade you wanted to and those just did things that gave you little speed buffs or comp additional moves in combat and different little perks and that sort of thing but see in sly cooper the thing about that was it was rewarding it was fun to sneak up behind someone and steal all their coins from their wallet without them (laughs) noticing and then kill them i mean like there was that like reward like give and take reward system to unlocking those things so you're like oh hey i have enough coins because i was running around pickpocketing everyone yeah (laughs) (laughs) but um i mean this kind of goes hand in hand but i think the next kind of big thing that goes with good platformers is just kind of world design and nathan you kind of said like that was the thing that really hooks you about games so like when you think of a platformer with a really good world design like what comes to mind for you super mario galaxy yeah, that's just the first one that comes to my mind. Um, first of all, that's probably my favorite platformer of all time. The game is amazing. I love it. But the the thing that's so good about it is because it's basically different galaxies and stuff like that. The developers weren't limited by any kind of. They could do any kind of world they wanted. So there's such a different variety of not only like traditional like desert ice etc. But like the toy block galaxy or whatever yeah. it's called. And there's a candy galaxy that you know you're trying to get and on cake. Um, running on all these cakes and stuff like that and trying to get it's the stars. level where you surf a giant manta ray down into the sky. Yeah, no exactly. Reason, like <laughs> just the sheer variety um, and the creativity of the different um, of the developers and stuff like that behind that game. Um, I love that game because the world design is so good. That's that's the first one that pops into. That's my head. an amazing choice. I mean, those galaxy games, like you said, every time you fly to a new galaxy, you're like, I have no idea what it's going to be. Yeah, like, exactly. You're something completely new and different that you haven't really seen before and there was lots of different fun power-ups and tools even that kind of helped you explore those different things um what about you rob you know i i always go back to uh super mario 64 because <laughs> it was you know it was rob hasn't the... played a mario game since the 64 that's why <laughs> i have played uh sunshine um, oh, okay <laughs> Sorry. But not a lot of it. So I actually I played a little bit of like Super Mario 3D World and some of the more recent 2D Mario games, but I, I haven't. I'd like I haven't played Mario Maker, design, but after I played a while, Mario the, Maker. The beach theme got a little little boring for me. I, yeah, I, lo- but, I also love like, Sunshine. But anyways, go ahead, Rob. Sorry. With Super Mario 64, the thing about it that I thought was really cool was that it was kind of the first 3D platformer to do those separate worlds. Like, there's the ice world and the desert world and the lava world. Like, they're all pretty, you know, we look at them now and go, wow, they're super bland and there's not a lot of variety. But those were that was the original one. Mm-hmm. And so having that kind of the whole castle to explore and there are secrets in the castle itself and then being able to jump through the little picture frames and go to these new worlds and try them out and do all these puzzles in those worlds and i just i love that world design and i love how that's kind of been the basis for every other 3d platformer like they kind of like galaxy and banjo kazooie banjo tooie like all of them kind of base it off of that game design yeah so um i think for me i just think about the donkey kong country series in general um I mean, growing up playing Donkey Kong Country 2 and, you know, you get to the fourth world and you're like, oh, sweet, this is like a theme park world. And you you play a roller coaster level. And then all of a sudden you play like a, a honeybee level where there's honey and you climb the walls by sticking to honey. And like, it doesn't really care if you only see that aesthetic or that world like once or twice. Like, they're just going to, you know, put different stuff in there. And I think that really showed through with the newest version which with Tropical Freeze. I was really worried initially because they... You know, all the marketing for the game was the freeze part. And, you know, the story is, you know, the Donkey Kong Island gets frozen over. But the very last world that you play as is actually Donkey Kong Island. And all the five worlds before are completely different. And even though the first world's a jungle world, you know, one of them you're going underground into this area where you, you know, you're fighting these bat creatures. Another one, you're navigating through a crashed airplane on a minecart and it's playing like this crazy music. And then... The moment that really struck it for me was I hit the, I believe it's the third world in the game. And the first level, it's like kind of like 
you know, deserty or savanna themed. And then the level after that is like a full on like African tribal, like Lion King theme. And you're, you're playing this level and it, it has this unique music. It's the only song, or it's the only stage that has that, that uh, stage music. And you're like flying, you're grabbing on like these giant like things. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yes, yes. It has like these like giant awesome. puppets of like giraffes they and like elephants. Like, kind of like there's like shadows almost. And yeah, stuff and like there's shadows. And yeah, and there's like these silhouette levels that are super artistic and play with the colors and the, the variation there. And I just love how it doesn't care that, you know, oh yeah, we're just going to do this one random Lion King level just because we can. like yeah, And just, you know, giving you variety and just giving you different surprises there. And then... There's even like the, the the challenge rooms that all kind of have like a, a dark temple aesthetic to it, and those ones are such a challenge because there's no checkpoints in them, and it plays the original Donkey Kong Country Jungle Jeeps music, and so um, I just I I love the different variety and how each level you it could be something you know that you totally excuse me don't even expect. Uh, it terrified me as a child at the end of Donkey Kong Country 2 because there's a level where you're playing levels and you get to a level called Castle Crush. And the level is literally just a rising platform. It just keeps going up oh, and gosh. up and up. And you're in this castle and it plays this terrifying castle music and there's <laughs> monsters everywhere. And it took me forever. Like, I couldn't beat that level for like two years <laughs> when I was a kid growing up. And so it just, I like how they're, they like trying different things. Like you said with Galaxy, they, they tried lots of different things in that game. They just have the freedom to kind of do whatever they want. Yeah. But yeah, totally. That's, that's definitely important. Last important thing for platformers, memorable boss fights. There's been lots of platformers that I have loved and enjoyed, but I can't remember what the bosses were in them. Um, so, like, what do you guys think of when you think of a, you know, a good platformer with good boss fights? Okay, so I think the first thing I'm going to say is one of the weakest parts of the New Super Mario, at least New Super Mario Brothers U, I believe, is the boss fights. Because it was the all Koopa the kids. Koopa Kids. And they basically were all kind of very similar with different variations based on the same thing. Mm -hmm. But that was kind of just really disappointing because there's so many different, even in a two platform of different things you can do and cool ideas and they all kind of yeah. have the exact same mechanic. And so that's an example of like a boss fight that kind of was just remixed throughout the whole yeah. game and did never really and change too I was much. excited yeah. at first because in New Super Mario Bros. Wii, they brought in the, the Kooplings and like... <clears throat> We hadn't seen them since Super Mario World, and that's one yep. of my all-time favorites. So it was total nostalgic, but I get what you're saying. Like, if they just do it again in the next one, and it's kind of like, okay, we've already seen this. Let's get something different now. Like, it's yeah. not, I'm not really nostalgic for it anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So so what's a good boss fight? Like, someone, um, Rob, Nathan. I, I was thinking, like, you know, in the Banjo games, I, I, don't, I can't remember if it's Kazooie or Tui, where you fight the two dragons. Um, I don't, the, honestly, Banjo Kazooie is one of those games. I don't remember any of the boss fights other than the Grunty fight at the end. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, there's so many. There was just such. There's so many different ways to play to play the bosses. Like there was the big troll guy in uh, Banjo Tooie where he's trying to, where you had to like dodge him and then hit him from behind and all this stuff. And then there were these dragons that were flying around. There was an ice world dragon and a fire world dragon, and you had to shoot them mm -hmm. with the eggs and everything and like. It was so challenging. I remember, like, spending so much time trying to beat those. I was trying to think, like, because there's, you know, if you're going to talk, like, bosses, you think, like, the Mario games, and their bosses are all fairly repetitive, especially since, you know, Bowser is pretty much the main boss in most of them. I mean, yeah. Galaxy's a little different, Sunshine's a little different, and uh, Mario 64 are a little different, but most of the 2D platforming Yeah, you get to fight him in a hot tub in Mario Sunshine. So, <laughs> like, so unique. Yeah. There, were, there was, like, it's Bowser, but in a different way. It's like, or like the Sonic games. The Sonic games, while they were challenging, they were all the same guy. And, like, I like the idea of, you know, you have different bosses, so you have to really think about, okay, so... I beat that last boss this way, but this boss is completely different. It has nothing in common with that last boss. So I have yeah, to really I, I throw away everything I was doing and start over. So I like that. I remember a lot of the bosses. I, I love those, those games too, where you are building up and like you're in like a world or something. You know there's a boss fight at the end of the world, but you have no idea what that boss is going to be. Like I don't know if it's going to be, you know, I don't know if it's Bowser or whatever. Like it's it could be yeah. any just weird random themed boss creature. So it's almost like I want to, you know, cocktail things, or I want to get to the end of the level or the world, so I can see what that boss is. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And you know, I, I'm going back to Donkey Kong here, but Donkey Kong 64, like I remember, I'm in like the frantic factory level. And I'm like, oh, what on earth is like the boss gonna be in this world? I have like no idea. This 
this like a weird factory level. There's little robots everywhere. And oh. you get to the boss room, and all of a sudden, like this giant Jack in the Box thing falls out. Yeah, just, that thing was thing. stupid hard. Yeah, it was super hard, but it was like <laughs> an evil Jack in the Box toy that had like a weird duck head. <laughs> it was like super weird. Like I would have never imagined it, and it was like super epic. I remember it being really hard. Me and my brothers were just like entranced by this really weird fight, and there was a really cool like fire dinosaur that you fought as uh, Diddy. The first boss was this armadillo with giant cannons on its back, and the final boss in that game. Do you guys know what the final boss is in DK64? Yeah, it was the boxing. Don't, don't need to put out spoiler spoiler tag here. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. I, didn't play I don't think so. It's been out for 20 years. Okay, well, spoilers for Dog Hunt 64, but you fight basically King K. Rule in a giant boxing match. And it's literally, you're fighting him as a boxing fight, fight and it, you play him as all five different Kongs. So, like, with Chunky, you, you grow up big and you, like, do, like, a fist-to-fist fight. With Tiny, you yeah. literally shrink small and i'm like what are you doing you have to go into a hole in his shoe and like fight his toes inside of his shoe so that's like completely different from how the actual game plays exactly yeah it's like awesome that was such an awesome boss fight that took me forever to beat yeah i mean it doesn't tell you it was so great i i finally you know got the jetpack as duty i'm like i have no idea to do i'm shooting with my penis it does nothing then i go up and i start shooting like the little lampstand and the light falls down on his head and damages it i'm like what? Like, this is amazing. So, I, I love weird, crazy boss fights like that. Oh, man, Jeff. What? You gotta you be careful of your wording. Um, oh, did I, did I say something bad? I'm sorry. Peanuts. <laughs> um, yeah, I think... The peanut pop gun. It's a peanut, classic. It is a classic. I think the biggest fault with... Uh, um, when I think about, you know, platformers, obviously the, the one that I think of the most is Nintendo and stuff like that, and especially Mario. And the biggest fault with Mario is that Nintendo, for the longest time, with all their boss fights, has the classic formula of you have to do three kind of hits on yeah. basically the boss. <laughs> three hits and there you go. You know exactly what, so that, but they do a good job of mixing it up and having really good variety. Um, well, the Galaxy games had Yeah, the Galaxies had ones. tons of different ones. Like when, they, like... When, I remember when they were announcing the game and they showed off that, like, lava octopus fight mm-hmm. and stuff like that. That oh, was yeah. super, really cool. And I enjoyed Petey Piranha in Sunshine. He was fun. Yeah, I was just thinking about him, too. He was a great... He was kind of, like, the first boss you mm-hmm. fought in that game, and he was a great kind of intro. And you, I remember, like, the first time I played him, I was like, how, what am I even supposed to do? And it took me a little bit to figure out how to beat him. So. You have to drown him or gorge yeah, him Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you're like, this... You would never think of that. Yeah. But it makes sense in such a Sunshine. What were you going to say, Rob? Oh, I was going to say, Jaeger in the comments said Spongebob Battle of Bikini Bottom had some awesome bosses. Dude, that's true. I, I didn't want to mention it, but I played, like, all those Spongebob games back on GameCube, and they had some really good 3D <laughs> platforms. I beat Battle for Bikini Bottom and Revenge of the Flying Dutchman, and I remember, especially Battle, I think it was Battle for Bikini Bottom, you had to fight giant robot versions of, like, Squidward and Sandy and Spongebob. <laughs> oh, gosh. They're just these insane boss battles that were really, that were really cool, so... No, I would be like, I, yeah. So I think for that, I think the uniqueness of the boss fights are what you know we're saying is what makes it memorable. Like you know the boss fights, you know fighting Bowser in Mario sixty four. It's first time you do go that, around just... him, grab his tail, throw him. Go around him, grab his tail, throw him. I mean it's really repetitive. It's not very exciting. But like you know these other battles where we're like we're trying to think like oh dude what do I do. I think that makes it really memorable is you have this moment when you start the boss battle where you go, I have no clue what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Like, I touch him and I take damage. That's all I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's, that's what kind of makes the platformer really unique is when you don't know what to do. And that's part of the challenge of playing it and beating it is going, is that discovery of how to play it, how to beat it. Yep. Well, I, I think that about wraps up our, our platformer segment, but I, let us know on Twitter, what is some of your all-time favorite platformers? Um, uh, I know Steven down in the chat mentioned, you know, he really enjoys the Mario um, games, and then Jaeger was talking about Mega Man. Mega and, Man. I you know, suck at Mega Man. I'm not And Voodoo Vent. Mega, Mega Man is definitely, definitely tough. Maybe we'll see a new real Mega Man game soon if Capcom uh, actually listens to its fans, but, you know. Never know. Um, anyways, but uh, we always like to leave you with what um, games we are playing this week. So, uh, Rob, why don't you start us off? All right. So I've been playing a lot of uh, – I played a lot of Mass Effect Andromeda the last few days. Um, so Anything getting, interesting happened? Um, about halfway through Another Planet, and I 
did finally find some Turians, so that was pretty cool. Uh, awesome, nice. I'm getting to the point where I my ammo and weapons and my skills and everything are pretty high up, so I don't have to be like duck behind cover all the time. I can kind of get you know just awesome. destroy things. A, you know, a lot easier, so that's a lot of fun. That actually makes it a little bit more enjoyable in the combat and everything, even. And good. the combat was already, it already felt pretty good, and now that you're just kind of crushing everyone, it feels even better. <laughs> so it's awesome. Um, I, I saw that you played uh, Mafia 3, like you were playing the demo on, on PSN the other night. Yeah, so they... They had a so they had a couple of games out there that this has been cool. You know, we talked about this. Uh, Mafia Three had a full like the first few missions or three full missions are free in the demo. Uh, Dishonored Two had one, so I'm gonna play that here sometime over the next week or two. And then uh, the new Prey game actually has an hour long demo that you can play. You can play the first hour of it uh, starting April 27th. It's 27th and 28th, I think. Um, yeah, something like, like that. Next Tuesday or whatever it is. Yeah, because it yeah, comes out so, May 5th. So I'm going to try and play those. But yeah, I started playing Mafia 3. The The story, like, it just starts out like this cinematic, like, 1960s, like, kind of like a 90s documentary about the 1960s. It's super interesting. It's really kind of cool how it's showing, like, all this cultural stuff and historic stuff, like, from Vietnam War to, like, the Blacks in New Orleans and, like, kind of this whole, like, racial stuff and then you start playing and the controls are like beating your head against a rock <laughs> goodness with while stabbing your eyes out with your fingers Jeez. it's the controls itself so, like is it just weird or do you open a door you hold square okay okay punch someone you press circle why is can you change that? Because it seems weird that circle would be punch and not square. I don't know. Like and like <laughs> triangle doesn't do what you would expect it to. There's not really a jump. The only thing that feels intuitive as far as like controls is driving the car. It's and that, I guess. Yeah. the car kind of drives <laughs> like a giant elephant. It doesn't <laughs> control very well. So like the gameplay has so been... you enjoyed the story and the cinematic. The story's just... been really good. The cinematics are really great. My wife actually walked by and she in the middle of the cinematic and she said, oh, wow, that looks really lifelike. And I was like, oh, yeah, it does. <laughs> but gameplay-wise, it's almost unplayable. <laughs> so you're not going to pick least... it up for 20 bucks on sale then? No, probably not. Um, I think if I... If you played it for a couple of hours, you might get used to the controls, but at where I am only playing for like an hour or two, it's frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> and then I've also been playing ukulele. Uh, I'm loving kind of collecting stuff. I'm loving the worlds. The worlds are really cool. And it's cool how you can kind of unlock progressions in the world as you go. Like the world is not complete yeah. when you start like you, it. You expand the size of the world. Yeah, you can expand the size of the world, which is awesome. Um, I already mentioned kind of the buying moves is kind of annoying. And then the other thing that's kind of annoying is the, uh, you know, one of the things that's famous about the the Banjo-Kazooie games is you could shoot the eggs and stuff. Yeah. And you can eat the plants and shoot them with the chameleon, Yoka. Mm-hmm. But it's not very, like, control-wise, it doesn't work very well. It's hard to control and aim correctly, so it's really challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, I was having a lot of trouble with that. So maybe that's just... I remember those eggs were were very hard to control as well. Like, yeah, which was kind of one of those. Things, it was kind of one of those things where that was super annoying in Banjo and Kazooie. But the nice thing about Banjo Kazooie is you can zoom into like first person mode oh, and yeah. really zone in. Can you not do that? You can't do that in Yokolele. So oh, at least not that I know of. I haven't been able to. Holding out for the Switch for hopefully gyro aiming. Ooh, yeah. Ah. <laughs> All right. What about you, Nathan? What have you been playing? Um, Zelda. Let me guess. Yeah, I'm, I realized this week, I'm like, gosh, I'm such a boring person to talk about what I've been playing because I just keep playing Zelda. Like, I am 65 hours in now, I think. That sounds right. So about 65 hours in, have unlocked about two-thirds of the map and have done about 60 shrines, like 40 Korok seeds, That's good. something like that. So, still Wait, you have more shrines completed than Korok seeds? Yeah, I haven't found them. I don't know. Like, I haven't... Spent a, the last couple hours, I've spent more time kind of trying to go out of my way to be like, oh, there's probably a cork there. Let me go yeah. check. But like the first, 
uh, like two thirds of the way I was playing game, and I kind of wasn't trying to get them at all. Yeah. So it takes you a while to kind of understand how they. Yeah, work exactly. Where they're exactly. At, I guess. So, but yeah, still having a lot of fun. I like like just I just upgraded um, the part of the game where you can get a certain thing you live in. Um, that all the way, so that was really cool. And then I found the side quest to kind of start building a town, which is awesome. It's oh, such a yeah, cool I mechanic. that as well. So I want to kind of do more of that. I'm really interested to see how that turns yeah, out. Yeah, me I too. No I'm, like, curious <laughs> to see how that's going to happen and work out and stuff like yeah. that. So I was watching a video the other day of Breath of the Wild, and someone took the hang glider and, like... <laughs> Using some of the platforms or something like that, they launched themselves super high and like flew clear across the whole world. Yeah, so no, I was you, like, you dude, you guys, stuff. you guys need to try that. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of trying to play the game normally without doing any of the crazy cheats like flying on a minecart and stuff like that. But I'm sure <laughs> yeah. once I play a little bit more, I'll be like, okay, I'm just gonna mess around because you, yeah. the physics system and everything makes it like crazy things possible. My, my favorite is I, I saw on Reddit the other day, uh, Link got a uh a giant boulder he froze in stasis and smacked it you know 10 times so it would go flying when it unfroze and he went up and rode on it and you know, went flying halfway across the map and landed on top of like a temple or something and the, the caption for the video was the pioneers used to ride these babies for days <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome uh, but but yeah it was funny yeah and besides that i've also been playing overwatches which is the other game i play a lot i guess yeah we played a, a um, bit the other night played fun. a bit the other night and i played a bit um, just outside of that, the the new mode is really fun. Um, yeah, uprising. it's PVE and it's a lot of lore. Yeah, and it's story. like pretty long. Like it, I was impressed. Like to play one round, it took me like you know twenty yeah. twenty five minutes or something like that. Well, like, so the last, the only other PVE event they did was the Halloween one. You pretty much were just standing at one yeah, little gate, standing in one spot, defending waves, and you yeah. know a couple different, I guess, boss enemies kind of came, but you were just right there. This one has you moving all back and forth throughout this map, and it's. Like, about, what, 15, 20 minutes long, even. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's great. And then uh played some more Destiny as well. I hadn't played that game in, like, three or four months. And I jumped in and tried to play Iron Banner last week. And <laughs> got my butt handed to me. Did not do well at all. Like, I was looking. I was like, oh, man, that might be my lowest KD ever in this game, which is pretty bad. Wow. <laughs> I, I had a point, I'm gonna go look. I'm going to look up your Destiny stats zero six KD at one time. <laughs> what? Yeah, oh, it was, gosh. It was bad. Um, Props to you for admitting that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was pretty bad. <laughs> but I found out that like they kind of upgraded, so you can my level is a little bit lower, and you can kind of um, you don't have to be as grindy to upgrade your level to where it needs to be to play the good rates and more stuff rewarding. like that. Oh, yeah. yeah, so it's more rewarding, which is nice. Good. Uh, but yeah, cool. that's about it. Um, for me, yeah, we played some Overwatch, and then I've actually been kind of playing that um, almost daily. Just it, it's been fun getting back into that and playing the multiplayer, trying the new mode. I'm still, I'm really liking Asyra, actually. I know we haven't talked to her about the new character a ton on the show, but she's a lot of fun. Um, I, I've been kind of trying to figure out how to use her, and using her uh, shield, she can play in a shield, and characters like Bastion or something can just set up right behind it, you know, and, and go to town. So um, it's been been a lot of fun doing that. And then uh, I'm actually kind of going back to Snake Pass. I haven't beaten it yet, but I find myself just going back to the old worlds that I have beat, but I didn't find all the collectibles because I knew I would want to go back later and find them. <laughs> and so I'm like going back and finding you know, the last couple of gold coins and stuff. And um, it's, it's really fun. It's just a relaxing game. It, I really like the music. It's, you know, that kind of has that Donkey Kong feel. And um, I'm enjoying, enjoying going through that. And then um, I've actually been playing Resogun on PS4. I picked it up on sale a week or two ago. And uh, it was I think it was a launch PS4 game. or Yeah, it was a launch, launch yeah. PS4 game. Yeah, and I... And I'd heard good things, but I never, never had picked it up. And um, it's almost kind of like Gradius, where you're you're shooting to the left or the right only, but you're kind of going around like a cylinder almost. Mm-hmm. So not mm-hmm. quite like a, a dual stick shooter like Geometry Wars, but um, it's really fun. And you can like make your own ship. So like people made their own like little ship with pixel designs and uploaded them. So I, I got like a uh our wing ship and like a pac-man ship <laughs> my wife walks by she's like are you pac-man shooting a bunch of like <laughs> spaceships i'm like yes yes that's I, uh, awesome so uh yeah i've been having a little fun i finally beat the ar- the main story arcade mode and it was it was fun it was really rewarding so now i'm just kind of going back and playing it on hard mode and getting high scores and that, i'm kind of feeling that that fun arcade vibe i would totally buy a graceful explosion machine it's kind of a similar game on the switch if i didn't have resogun but yeah, yeah. <laughs> resogun's a lot of fun it's kind of scratching that arcade uh itch for me so 
Sweet. De- definitely nice. recommend it. Check it out if you have the PS4. It's, it's a fun game. It goes on sale under five bucks pretty often. Yeah, pretty often. There so. was just a great flash sale this last weekend on PSN, and I didn't realize there was one until because I was super busy this last weekend. You were too. Yeah. Uh, Monday morning, right after, and I was like, oh man, like there was a couple games that I was interested in that were like three, four bucks or something like that. So, yeah. Yeah, I love those flash sales. They, they don't like once a month. No, they, so. they, they come back pretty quickly. Yep. Alrighty. Well, I think that about wraps up our show for this week. We will leave you with Ivory Towers from the ukulele official soundtrack by Grant Kirkhope. Have a great week, guys.